Saturday, October 4. Early, still Lily's place. Why do I always have such good time when I spend the night at Lily's? I mean, it's not like they've got stuff that I don't have. In fact, my mom and I have better stuff. The Muscovites only get a couple of movie channels, and because I took advantage of the last Time Warner cable bonus offer, we have all of them. Cinemax and HBO and Showtime for the low, low rate of $19.99 per month. Plus, we have way better people to spy on through our windows, like Ronnie, who used to be Ronald, but is now called Ronette, and who has a lot of big fancy parties. And that skinny German couple who wear black all the time, even in the summer, and never pull, their, pull down their blinds. On Fifth Avenue, where the Muscovites live, There's nobody good to look at. Just other rich psychoanalysts and their children. Let me tell you, you don't see anything good through their windows. But it's like every time I spend the night here, even if all Lily and I do is hang out in the kitchen eating macaroons left over from Rosh Hashanah, I have such a great time. Maybe that's because Maya, the Muscovitz Dominican maid, Never forgets to buy orange juice, and she always remembers that I don't like the pulpy kind, and sometimes, if she knows I'm staying over, she'll pick up a vegetable lasagna from Balducci's instead of a meat one, especially for me, like she did last night. Or maybe it's because I never find moldy old containers of anything in the Moscovitz refrigerator. Maya throws away anything that's even one day past its expiration date. Even sour cream that still has a protective plastic around the lid. Even cans of tab. And doctor and the Dr. Moscovitz never forget to pay their, their electricity bill. Coned has never once shut down their power bill in the middle of a Star Trek movie marathon. And Lily's mom, she always talks about normal stuff like what a great deal she got on Calvin Klein pantyhose at Bergdorf's. Not that I don't love my mom or anything, I totally do. I just wish she could be more of a mom and less of an artist. And I wish my dad could be more like Lily's dad, who always wants to make me an omelet because he thinks I'm too skinny and who walks around in his old college sweatpants when he doesn't have to go in his, to his office to analyze anybody. Dr. Moskowitz could never wear a suit at seven in the morning. Not that I don't love my dad. I do. I guess... I just don't understand how he could let something like this happen. He's usually so organized. How could he have let himself become a prince? I just don't understand it. The best thing, I guess, about going to Lily's is that while I'm here, I don't have to think about things like how I'm flunking algebra or how I'm the heir to the throne of a small European principality. I can just relax and enjoy some real homemade poppin' fresh cinnamon buns and watch Pavlov, Michael Shelty, try to herd Maya back into the kitchen every time she tries to come out. Last night was totally fun. The ducks, Dr. Moscovitz were out. They had to go to a benefit at the pucking building, at the puck building for the homosexual children of survivors, survivors, survivors of the Holocaust. So Lily and I made this huge vat of popcorn smothered in butter and climbed into her parents' giant canopy bed and watched all the James Bond movies in a row. We were able to definitely determine that Pierce Brosnan was the skinniest James Bond. 
Sean Connery the hairiest, and Roger Moore the most tan. None of the James Bond took off their shirts enough for us to decide who had the best chest, but I think probably Timothy Dalton. I like chest hair. I think. It was sort of ironic that while I was trying to decide this Lily's this, Lily's brother came into the room. He had on a shirt, though. He looked kind of annoyed. He said my dad was on the phone. My dad was all mad because he'd been trying to get through for hours. Only Michael was internet, answering fan mail for his web scene, Crackhead. So my dad kept getting a busy signal. I must have looked like I was going to throw up or something because after a minute, Michael said, Oh, oh okay, don't worry about it, Thermopolis. I'll tell him you and Lily already went to bed, which is a lie my mother would never believe, but it must have gone over pretty well with my dad since Michael came back and reported that my dad had apologized for calling so late, he was only 11, and that he'd speak to me in the morning. Great. I can't wait. I guess I must have still looked like I was going to throw up because Michael called his dog and made him get into bed with us even though pets aren't allowed in the Dr. Muscovitz's room. Pavlov crawled into my lap and started licking my face, which he only does, does to people he really trusts. Then Michael sat down to watch the movies with us, and in the interest of science, Lily asked him which Bond girl was most attractive to him. The blondes who always needed James Bond to rescue them, or the brunettes who were always pulling guns on him. And Michael said he couldn't resist a girl with a weapon which got us started on his two favorite TV shows of all times, Seeing a Warrior Princess and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So then, not really in the interest of science, but more out of plain curiosity, I asked Michael if it was the end of the world, and he had to repopulate the planet, but he could only choose one life mate. Who would it be? Xena or Buffy? After telling me how weird I was for thinking of something like that, Michael chose Buffy, and then Lily asked me if I had to choose between Harrison Ford or George Clooney, who would it be? And I said, Harrison Ford, even though he's so old, but the Harrison Ford from Indiana Jones, not Star Wars. And then Lily said, she'd choose Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan in those Tom Clancy movies. And then Michael goes, who would you choose, Harrison Ford or Leonardo DiCaprio? And we both chose Harrison Ford because Leonardo is so passe. And then he went, who would you choose, Harrison Ford or Josh Richter? And Lily, and Lily said Harrison Ford because he used to be a carpenter. And if he was the end of the world, he could build her a house. But I said Josh Richter because he'd live longer. Harrison is like 60 and he'd be able to give me a hand with the kids. Then Michael started saying all this totally unfair stuff about Josh Richter, like how in the face of nuclear Armageddon he'd probably show cowardice. But Lily said fear of new things is not an accurate measure of one's potential for growth, which I agreed. Then Michael said we were both idiots if we thought Josh Richter would ever give us so much as the time of day that he only liked girls like Lana Weinberger, who put out, to which Lily responded that she would put out for Josh Richter if he was able to meet certain conditions, like bathing beforehand in an antibacterial solution and wearing three condoms coated in spermicidal fluid during the act, in case one broke and one slipped off. 
Then Michael asked me if I would put out for Josh Richter, and I had to think about it for a minute. Losing your virginity is a really big step, and you have to do it with the right person, or else you could be screwed up for the rest of your life, like the women in Dr. Moscovitz's over 40 and still single group, which meets every other Tuesday. So after I thought about it, I said I would put out for Rush Josh Richter, but only if, number one, we'd been dating for at least a year. Number two, he pledged his undying love to me. Number three, he took me to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway and didn't make fun of it. Michael said the first two sounded all right, but if the third one was an example of the kind of boyfriend I'd expected to get, I'd be a virgin for a long time. He said he didn't know anyone with an ounce of testosterone who could watch Beauty and the Beast on Broadway without projectile vomiting. But he's wrong, because my dad definitely has testosterone. At least one testicle full, and he's never projectile vomited at the show. Then Lily asked Michael who he would choose if he had to, me or Lana Weinberger. And he said, Mia, of course. But I'm sure he was just saying that because I was right there in the room, and he didn't want to diss me to my face. I wish Lily wouldn't do things like that, but she kept on doing it wanting to know how, who Michael would choose, me or Madonna, and me or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He chose me over Madonna, but Buffy won't, hands down over me. And then Lily wanted to know who I would choose, Michael or Josh Richter. I pretended to be seriously thinking about it, when to my total relief, the Dr. Moscovitz came home and started yelling at us for letting Pavlov in their room and eating popcorn in their bed. So then... Later, after Lily and I had cleaned up all the popcorn and gone back to her room, she asked me again who I would choose, Josh Richter or her brother. And I had to say Josh Richter because Josh Richter is the hottest boy in our whole school, maybe the whole world, and I am completely and totally in love with him. And not just because of the way his blonde hair sometimes falls into his eyes when he's bent over looking for stuff in his snucker, but because I know that behind that jock facade, facade, he maintains he is deeply sensitive and a caring person. I could tell by the way he said hey to me that day in Bigelow's. But I couldn't help thinking if it really were the end of the world, it might be better to be with Michael, even if he isn't so hot, because at least he makes me laugh. I think at the end of the world, a sense of humor would be important. Plus, of course, Michael looks really good without a shirt. And if it really was the end of the world, Lily would be dead, so she'd never know her brother and I were procreating. I'd never want Lily to know that I feel that way about her brother. She'd think it was weird. Weirder even than me turning out to be the Princess of Genovia. Later on, Saturday. The whole way home from Lily's, I worried about what my mom and dad were going to say when I got home. I had never really disobeyed them before. I mean, really never. Well, okay, there was that one time Lily and Shamika and Ling Su and I went to see that Christian Slater movie, but we ended up going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show instead, and I forgot to call my mom. 
until after the movie, which ended like at 2.30 in the morning. And we were in Times Square, and we didn't have enough money left among us for a cab. But that was just that one time, and I totally learned my lesson from it, without my mom having to ground me or anything. Not that she would ever do something like that. Ground me, I mean. Who would go to the cash machine to get money for takeout if I were grounded? But my dad, that's another story. He's totally rigid in the discipline department. My mom says that that's because Grandmary used to punish him when he was a little boy by locking him into one of the really scary rooms in their house. Now that I think about it, the house my dad grew up in was probably the castle. And that scary room was probably the dungeon. Jeez! No wonder my dad does every single thing Grandmare says. Anyway, when my dad gets mad at me, he really gets mad. Like the time I wouldn't go to church with Grandmare because I refused to pray to a god who would allow rainforests to be destroyed in order to make grazing room for cows who would later become quarter pounders. For the ignorant mosses who worship the symbol of all that's evil, Ronald McDonald. Not only did my dad tell me that if I didn't go to church, church, he'd wear out my behind. He said he wouldn't let me read Michael's website, Cracks It, again. He refused to let me go online again for the rest of the summer. He crushed my modem with a magnet of sh- Chateau Neuf du Pop. Talk about reactionary. So I was totally worried about what he was going to do when I got home from Lily's. I tried to hang out at the Dr. Moscovitz as long as possible. I loaded the breakfast dishes in the dishwasher for Maya. She was busy writing a letter to her congressman, asking him to please do something about her son Manuel, who was wrongfully imprisoned 10 years ago for supporting a revolution in their country. I walked Pavlov, since Michael had to go to an astrophysics lecture, lecture at Columbia, I even unclogged their jets in the Dr. Moscovitz jacuzzi. Boy, does Lily's dad shed a lot. Then Lily had to go and announce that it was time to shoot the one-hour special episode of her show, the one dedicated to her feet. Only, it turned out that Dr. Moscovitz had not left, like we thought they had, for their rolfing section. Sessions. They totally overheard and told me that I had to go home while they analyzed Lily about her need to taunt her sex-crazed stalker. Here's the thing. I am generally a very good daughter. I mean, I mean it. I, I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I haven't given birth at any proms. I am completely trustworthy and I do my homework most of the time. Except for the lousy F in a class that will be of no use to me whatsoever in my future life if I'm doing pretty well. And then they had to spring the princess thing on me. I decided on my way home that if my dad tried to punish me, I was going to call Judge Judy. He'd really be sorry if he landed in front of Judge Judy because of this. She'd let him have it. Boy, let me tell you. People trying to make other people the prin- be princesses when they don't want to be? <laughs> Judge Judy would not stand f- for any of it. Of course, when I got home, it turned out I didn't have to call Judge Judy at all. My mom hadn't gone to her studio, which she does every Saturday without fail. She was sitting there, waiting for me to come home. 
reading old copies of the subscription she got me to 17 magazines before I realized I was too flat-chested to ever be asked out on a date, so all the information provided in that particular periodical was worthless to me. Then there was my dad, who was sitting in the exact same spot he'd left, I mean, in the exact same spot that he'd been when I'd left the day before, only this time he was reading the Sunday Times, even though it was Saturday. And Mom and I have this rule that you can't start reading the Sunday sections until Sunday. To my surprise, he wasn't wearing a suit. Today he had on a sweater, cashmere, no doubt given to him by one of his many girlfriends, and corduroy pants. When I walked in, he folded the paper all carefully, put it down, and gave me this long, intent look, like Captain Picard, right before he starts going on to Riker about the Prime Directive. Then he goes, we need to talk. I immediately started in about how it wasn't like I hadn't told them where I was and how I just needed a little time to think about things and how I'd been really careful and hadn't taken the subway or anything, and my dad just went... I know. Just like that. I know. He completely gave in without a fight. My dad. I looked at my mom to see if she'd noticed that he'd lost his mind. And then she did the craziest thing. She put the magazine down and came over and hugged me and said, We're so sorry, baby. Hello? These are my parents? Did the body snatchers come while I was gone and replace my parents with pod people? Because that was the only way that I could think that my parents would be so reasonable. Then my dad goes, We understand the stress that this has brought you, Mia, and we want you to know that we'll do everything in our power to try to make this transition as smooth for you as possible. Then my dad asked me if I knew what a compromise was, and I said, Yes, of course. I'm not like in the third grade anymore. So he pulled out this piece of paper and on it we drafted what my mom calls the Thermopolis Ronaldo Compromise. It goes like this. I, the undersigned Arthur Christophe Philippe Gerald Grimaldi Ronaldo, agree that my role offering an heir, Amelia Mignonette Grimaldi Thermopolis Renardo, may finish out her high school tenure at Albert Einstein School for Boys, made coeducational circa 1975, without interruption, save for Christmas and summer breaks, which she will spend without complaint in the country of Genovia. I asked if that meant no more summers at Miranac, and he said yes. I couldn't believe it. Christmases and summers free of grandmare? That would be like going to the dentist, only instead of having cavities filled, I just get to read teen people and suck a lot of laughing gas. I was so happy. I hugged him right then and there. But then, unfortunately, it turned out there was more to the agreement. I, the undersigned Amelia Mignonette Grimaldi Thermopolis Rinaldo, agreed to fulfill the duties of heir to Arthur Christophe Philippe Gerald Rimaldi Ronaldo, Prince of Genovia, and all that such a role entails, including, but not exclusive to, assuming the throne upon the lat latter's demise, and attending functions to state, of state, 
at which the presence of said air is deemed essential. All of that sounded pretty good to me, except the last part. Functions of state? What were they? My dad got all vague. Oh, you know, attending funerals of world leaders, opening balls, that sort of thing. Hello? Funerals? Balls? Whatever happened to smashing bottles of champagne against ocean liners and going to Hollywood premieres and that kind of thing? Well, my dad said, Hollywood premieres aren't really all they're pegged to be. Flashbulbs going off in your face, that kind of thing. Terribly unpleasant. Yeah, but funerals? Balls? I don't even know how to put on lip liner, let alone curtsy. Oh, that's right, my dad said, putting the cap back on his bed. Grandmare will take care of that. Yeah, right. What can she do? She's in France. Ha, ha, ha. Sunday night. I can't even believe what a loser I am. I mean, Saturday night alone with my dad. He actually tried to talk to me to go in to see Beauty and the Beast. Like, he felt sorry for me because I didn't have a date. I finally had to say, Look, Dad, I am not a child anymore. Even the Prince of Genovia can't get tickets to a Broadway show in a minute's notice on a Saturday night. He was just feeling left out because Mom had taken off on another date with Mr. Giannini. She wanted to cancel on him, given all the upheaval that has occurred in my life over the past 24 hours, but I totally made her go because I could see her lips getting smaller and smaller the more time she spent with Dad. Mom's lips only get smaller when she's trying to keep herself from saying something. And I think what she wanted to say to my dad was, Get out! Go back to your hotel room. You're paying $600 a night for a suite. Can't you stay in it? My dad drives my mom completely insane because he's always going around digging her bank statements out of the big salad bowl where she throws all our mail and trying to tell her how much she would save in interest if she would just transfer funds out of her checking account and into a Roth IRA. So even though she felt like she should stay home, I knew if she did, she'd explode. So I said, please go. And that dad and I would discuss what it's like to govern a small principality in today's economic market. Only when mom came out in her date wear, which included this totally hot black mini dress from Victoria's Secret. My mom hates shopping, so she buys all her clothes from catalogs while she's soaking in the tub after a long day of painting. My dad started to choke on his ice cube. I guess he had never seen my mom in a mini dress before. Back in college, when they were going out, all she ever wore were overalls, like me, because... He drank down his scotch and soda really fast and then said, That's what you're wearing? Which made my mom go, What's wrong with it? And look at herself all worried in the mirror. She looked totally fine. In fact, she looked much better than she usually did, which I guess was the problem. I mean, it sounds weird to admit it, but my mom can be a total Betty when she puts her mind to it. I can only wish that someday I'll be as pretty as my mom. I mean, she doesn't have a yield sign hair or flat chest or a size 10 shoe. She's way hot as far as mom goes. Then the buzzer rang 
and mom ran out because she didn't want Mr. Giannini to come up and meet her ex, the Prince of Genovia, which was understandable since he was still choking and looked sort of funny. I mean, he looked like, like a red-faced bald man with a cashmere sweater cuffing up along. I mean, I would have been embarrassed to admit it if I had ever had sex with him. Anyway, it was good for me that she didn't buzz Mr. Giannini up because I didn't want him asking in front of my parents why I hadn't gone, gone to his review session on Friday. So then, after they were gone, I tried to show my dad how much better suited I am for a life in Manhattan than in Genovia by ordering some really excellent food. I got us an insalata caprese, ravioli al funghetto, and pizza margarita, all for under 20 bucks. But I swear, my dad wasn't a bit impressed. He just poured himself another scotch and soda and turned on the TV. He didn't even notice when Fat Louis sat down next to him. He started petting him like it was nothing. And my dad claims to be allergic to cats. And then, to top it all off, he didn't even want to talk about Genovia. All he wanted to do was watch sports. I'm not kidding. Sports. We have 77 channels and all he would watch were the ones showing men in uniform chasing after a little ball. Forget the Dirty Harry movie marathon. Forget pop-up videos. He just turned on the sports channel and stared at it. And when I happened to mention that mom and I usually watch whatever is on HBO on Saturday nights, he just turned off the volume. What a baby. And you think that's bad? You should have seen him when the food got here. He made Lars frisk the delivery man before he would let me buzz him in. Can you believe it? I had to give Antonio a whole extra dollar to make up for the indignity of it, indignity of it all. And then my dad sat down and ate without saying a word until, after another scotch and soda, he fell asleep right in front of the footin' with Fat Louie on his lap. I guess being a prince and having testicular cancer can really make a person think he's something special. I mean, God forbid he should share some quality time with his only daughter, the heir to the throne. So, here I am again, home alone on a Saturday night, Not that I'm ne not that I'm ever not home alone on a Saturday night, except when I'm with Lily. Why am I so unpopular? I mean, I know I look weird and stuff, but I really try to be nice to people, you know. You'd think people would value me as a human being and invite me to their parties just because they like my company. It's not my fault my hair sticks out the way it does. Any more than it's Lily's fault, her face looks sort of squished. I tried to call Lily a zillion times, but her phone was busy, which meant Michael was probably home working on his scene. The Dr. Moskovitz are trying to have a second line installed so that people who call them can actually get through their phone once in a while. But the phone company says it doesn't have any more 212 numbers to give out. Lily's mom says she refuses to have two separate area codes in the same apartment and that if she can't have a 212, she'll just buy a beeper. Besides, Michael will be leaving for college next fall and then their phone problems will be solved. I really wanted to talk to Lily. I mean, 
I haven't told her anything about the princess thing, and I'm not going to, ever. But sometimes, even without telling her what's bothering me, talking to Lily makes me feel better. Maybe it's just knowing that somebody else is my age, and they're also stuck at home on a Saturday night. I mean, most of the other girls in our class date. Even Shamika has started dating. She's been quite popular since she developed breast over the summer. True, her curfew is 10 o'clock, even on weekends, and she has to introduce her date to her mom and dad, and her date has to provide a detailed itinerary of exactly where they're going and what they'll be doing, besides showing two pieces of photo ID to Mr. Taylor, and he will copy them before he'll let Shamika go out of the house with him. But still, she's dating. Somebody asked her out. Nobody has ever asked me out. It was pretty boring watching my dad snore, even though it was fairly comical the way Fat Louie kept glancing at him, all annoyed every time he inhaled. I had already seen all the Dirty Harry movies, and there was nothing else on. I decided to try instant messaging Michael, telling him I really needed to talk to Lily, and would he please get off online? go offline so that I could call her. Crack King. What do you want, Thermopolis? Fat Louie. I want to talk to Lily. Please go offline so I can call her. Crack King. What do you want to talk to her about? Fat Louie. None of your business. Just go offline, please. You can't hog all the lines of communication to yourself. It isn't fair. Crack King. No one ever said life was fair, Thermopolis. What are you doing home anyway? What's the matter? Dream Boy didn't call? Fat Louie. Who's Dream Boy? Crack King. You know, your post-nuclear Armageddon life made of choice, Josh Richter. Lily told him. I can't believe she told him. I'm going to kill her. Fat Louie. Would you please go offline so I can call Lily? Crack King. What's the matter, Thermopolis? Did I strike a nerve? I logged off. He can be such a jerk sometimes. But then, about five minutes later, the phone rang, and it was Lily. So I guess even though Michael's a jerk, he can be a nice jerk when he wants to be. Lily's very upset about how her parents are violating her First Amendment right to free speech by not letting her make the episode of her show dedicated to her feet. She's going to call the ACLU as soon as it opens on Monday morning. Without her parents' financial support, which they have currently revoked, Lily tells it like it is, cannot go on. It costs about $200 per episode, if you include the cost, the cost of tape and all. Public access is only accessible to people with cash. Lily was so upset that I didn't feel like yelling at her about telling Michael that I chose Josh. Now that I think about it, it's probably just better that way. My life is a convoluted web of lies. Sunday, October 5th. I can't believe Mr. Janini told her. I can't believe he told my mother I skipped his stupid review lessons on Friday. Hello? Do I have no rights here? Can't I skip a review session and not get finked on by my mother's boyfriend? I mean, it's not like my life isn't bad enough. I'm already deformed. And I have to be a princess. Do I have to have 
my every activity reported upon by my algebra teacher? Thanks a lot, Mr. Giannini. Thanks to you, I got to spend my entire Sunday having the quadratic formula drilled into me by my demented father, who kept rubbing his bald head and screaming in frustration when he found out I don't know how to multiply fractions. Hello? May I remind everyone that I'm supposed to have a sad Saturday and Sunday off from school? And Mr. Giannini had to go and tell my mother there's going to be a pop quiz tomorrow. I mean, I guess that was kind of nice of him and all to, to give me a heads up, but you're not supposed to study for a pop quiz. The whole point of the test is that is to know what you've retained. Then again, since I've apparently retained nothing mathematical since about the second grade, I guess I can't really blame my dad for being so mad. He said, if I don't pass algebra, he's going to make me go to summer school. So then I pointed out that summer school was fine by me since I'd already agreed to spend summers in Genovia. So then he said I'd have to go to summer school in Genovia. I am so sure. I met some kids who went to school in Genovia and they didn't even know what a number line was and they measured everything by kilos and cent centimeters as if the metric wasn't so totally over. But just in case, I'm not taking any chances. I wrote out the quadratic formula on white rubber on the white rubber sole of my Converse high tops, right where it curves in between my heels and my toes. I'll wear them tomorrow and I'll cross my legs and take a peek if I get stuck. Monday, October 6, 3 a.m. I've been up all night worrying about getting caught cheating. What will happen if somebody sees that I have the quadratic formula written on my shoe? Will I be expelled? I don't want to be expelled. I mean, even though everybody at Albert Einstein High School thinks I'm a freak, I'm sort of getting used to it. I don't want to have to start all over again at a new school. I'll have to wear the scarlet mark of being a cheater for the rest of my high school career. And what about college? I might not get into college if it goes down on my permanent record that I'm a cheater. Not that I want to go to college, but what about Greenpeace? I'm sure Greenpeace doesn't want cheaters. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Monday, October 6, 4 a.m. I tried washing the quadratic formula off my shoe, but it won't come off. I must have used indelible ink or something. What if my dad finds out? Do they still behead people in Genovia? Monday, October 6, 7 a.m. Decided to wear my docks and throw my high tops away on the, on the way to school. But then I broke one of those boot laces. I can't wear any of my other shoes because they're all size nine and a half and my foot grew a whole half inch last month. I can barely walk in my loafers and my heels hang out over the backs of my clogs. I have no choice but to wear my high tops. I'm going to get caught for sure. I just know it. Monday, October 9, October 6, 9 a.m. Realized in the car on the way to school that I could have taken the laces out of my high tops and strung them through my Doc Martens. I am so stupid. Lily wants to know how much longer my dad is going to be in town. She doesn't like being driven to school. 
She likes to ride the subway because then she can brush up on her Spanish by reading all the health awareness posters. I told her I didn't know how long my dad was going to be in town, but that I had a feeling but that I had a feeling I wasn't going to be allowed to ride the subway anymore anywhere. Lily observed that my father was taking his infertility thing too far, that just because he can no longer render anyone embarrassada, it's no reason to get all overprotective of me. I noticed that in the driver's seat, Lars was sort of laughing to himself. I hope he doesn't speak Spanish. How embarrassing. Anyway, Lily went on to say I should take a stand right away, now, before things get worse, and that she could tell me it was already starting to take a toll, because since I seemed listless and there were circles under my eyes. Of course I'm listless. I've been up since 3 a.m. trying to wash my shoes. Went into the girls' room to try to wash them again, and Lena Weinberger came in while I was in there. She saw me washing my shoes, and she just rolled her eyes and started brushing her long, Marsha Brady hair and staring at herself in the mirror. I half expected her to walk right up to her reflection and kiss it. She's so obviously in love with herself. The quadratic formula is smeared, but still legible on my sneaker. But I won't look at it during the test, I swear. Little quick author's note. I'm sorry, uh, my note. I, it's embarazada, and it was written embarazada. And now back to the story. Monday, October 6th, GNT. Okay, I admit it, I looked. Fat a lot, it good, fat a lot of good it did to me, too. After he collected the test, Mr. Giannini went over the problems on the board and I got every single one of them wrong anyways. I can't even cheat right. I have got to be the most pathetic human being on the planet. Polynomials. Term. Variables multiplied by a coefficient. Degree of polynomial equals the degree of the term with the highest degree. Hello? Does anyone care? I mean, really truly care about polynomials? I mean, besides people like Michael Muscovitz and Mr. Giannini, anyone? Anyone at all? When the bell finally rang, Mr. Giannini goes, Mia, will I have the pleasure of your company this afternoon at the review session? Mm -hmm. I said yes, but I didn't say it loud enough for anyone to hear but him. Why me? Why, why, why? Like, I don't have enough to worry about. I'm flunking algebra, my mom's dating my teacher, and I'm the princess of Genovia. Something has just got to give. Tuesday, October 7. Ode to Algebra. Thrust into this dingy classroom, we die like lampless moths. Locked into the desolation of fluorescent lights and metal desks. Ten minutes until the bell rings. What is the use of the quadratic formula in our daily lives? Can we use it to unlock the secrets of the hearts of those we love? Five minutes until the bell rings. Cruel algebra teacher, won't you let us go? Homework. Algebra. Problems 10, 17 to the through the 30th on the handout. English. Proposal. World Civ. Questions at the end of chapter 7. GNT. 
no, French, quick phrase, X, A, page 31, biology, worksheets.